Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, the podcast where we talk about all things assisted reproductive technology, except this week. Well, kind of. <laughs> no, it's, still, it's still in the category. It, it still is. It still is. So I am Jennifer White, and I'm here with my sister, Ellen Trackman. Hello. Hi. Thanks for joining so, us. As I alluded to, we may not be talking very specifically about uh, our normal topic. We are a little starstruck this week. We are helping with our first, not ours, because we don't get credit for it, but we are helping with a premiere for a documentary uh, called Ghosts of the Republic. So, Ellen, what is your favorite movie? Be- besides Ghost of the Republic now? Besides Besi- Ghost of the I mean, Republic. this is an amazing documentary, and I think everyone should watch it. It is beautifully done and really fascinating, as well as a, a lovely true story. Um, okay, but favorite favorite movie. I have to say I do have a love of disaster movies, like, <laughs> like Day After Tomorrow, 2012, um, San Andreas. I, I can't help it, but... <laughs> That's um, funny. But Christmas movies, I love Elf, but, you know, holidays oh. are coming up. How okay. about you? Do yeah. you have a favorite movie aside from Ghost of the Republic? Uh, besides that, uh, I definitely loved uh, Shawshank Redemption is one of my oldest, old favorite movies. Uh, I like a lot of older movies. like, And I will say nowadays, though, if my daughter has any of the Marvel series movies on, I stop without fail. So it's like she has to turn them off or else I will just stop and not do anything for the rest of the day because I do actually like those now. But in a different vein, this <laughs> well, this is not a Marvel movie, but it is no less a superhero movie, right? Yes. Well, we have the honor of talking to the director of this amazing documentary and let's hear more about it. Welcome Jonathan Narducci to the show. Uh, Jonathan, I think you're our very first director. So we're Happy to have that that first, especially for our 100th episode. So this is a huge, exciting episode for us. Jonathan, before we talk about this very exciting, specific film, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, what you do, et cetera? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'm Jonathan, and I um, am a filmmaker based in Los Angeles. Um, I have basically been working in documentary film since... Um, about 2010, when I started my first uh, feature film on my own, um, it was called Love Me. And it was about men who travel to um, Ukraine for mail-order brides. And so oh. first comes love, and then comes um, the next step, which is uh, you know marriage and the baby carriage. And so somehow... <laughs> that literally... Wait, and so now we're going to talk about the baby carriage. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So somehow this, you know, this uh, whole idea and topic um, of international surrogacy and the characters that I followed were kind of a nice follow up to my first film. Um, mm. But I, you know, I work, I work in documentary um, in, a, in a variety of different capacities as a producer and, and as a director of photography as well. And, you know, that's basically what I do. Awesome. So that kind of leads to the, the film where we're talking about, which is Ghosts of the Republic, or as we've been making fun of our own pronunciation, potentially Ghost of the Republic. Um, tell us a little bit about the film and what is it about? 
Yeah, so the film is Ghost of the Republic or Ghost of the Republic, however you want to say it. I, we added a little French um, kind of spelling of, of the title um, for the Republic. But um, Ghost of the Republic refers to um, children who are born of surrogacy internationally outside of the country of France who are of um, intended parents, French intended parents who then go back to France. I'm saying this in a very convoluted way. Like, like, right? probably <laughs> That's okay. Um, so Ghosts of the Republic is, is basically a term for children who are living in France that aren't recognized um, by the French government due to the fact that they were born of surrogacy. And so because surrogacy is illegal in France, um, basically what happens is they don't recognize the children of the intended parents as their parents when they go back to France. And so um, the film follows a, a young, uh, newly married couple. Um, we started filming in 2014. Um, basically, it was three months after they legalized um, gay marriage in France, which I think a lot of people are surprised by. But yes, France was um, not the was after America to legalize gay marriage. In fact, um, they had other types of um, governmental institutions for the you know, partnerships and stuff like that. But marriage was legalized um, a little bit later on. And so these these guys, Nicholas and Aurelian, um, had been together for about 10 years. And they got married in 2014. And they basically had the desire, like a lot of, you know, people do to have children. And I think after exploring all their options of co-parenting with maybe lesbian or doing something else or you know, they came to the conclusion to um, pursue surrogacy in the United States. Um, and so the film follows them through that whole process. Um, the first scene of the film is um, them getting married. And the last scene is them um, at home with their baby. I, was, I, I cried both times, I, mm-hmm. I will admit. So <laughs> already, just have to admit, and I'm not a crier at all. So. And I have to say um, that one of the fascinating parts is you don't just tell the story of what's happening to them, but you talk about the controversy about what's happening in, in the country as well as the United States and kind of um, compare them and kind of put the, intermingle them to describe what's happening politically versus what's happening in their lives. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, putting everything into the context of like where, you know, all of this technology exists is important. Um, that was a real challenge. You know, we filmed a lot more than what's in the film. We filmed totally other stories. We filmed um, Supreme Court cases in France. We filmed a lot of different things that kind of gave a holistic picture of, of basically where surrogacy and, you know, this kind of technology and how it fits in the world. Um, and, and just kind of to give context, but I also, I think to, to, um, show how these two men kind of navigated it. And, and uh, I think probably about the best way that you could, um, it is, it's the topic overall is just super complicated. And, you know, I, I, you know, I think the film comes the film to me is not like a pro surrogacy film. It's a film that's really um, showing like a depiction of a gay family that does everything correctly and how hard and kind of like emotional and interesting and weird and everything else that, that, um, that goes on to, to, for them to have a family. Um, And, 
and you know, I think it's just really hard to like nail everything into one 90 minute film, you know, and it, right. and it was like, and you know, I had a full on version of this film done in 2016 and it was a beautiful film and it just felt like it was a little too, it didn't feel perfect to me. You know, I felt like it didn't represent exactly how I felt of what I experienced because you know, it's not only the journey of, of like, you know, these two men who are, who are like trying to build a family, but also the journey of a woman going through as a surrogate mother, an egg donor for the first time. And, you know, me as a filmmaker going through that journey of experiencing, you know, my own emotional um, feelings of, of, and, and kind of like ethical feelings and all the other things that people have during, during that process. Um, yeah, I really, so, I loved how you tied all of those pieces. Cause I think sometimes we see things where people only concentrate on the surrogacy part or they only concentrate on the egg donation part. And the way you tied all of it together was, was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But I think what it is, is that a lot of people, a lot of documentaries and you know, the majority of documentaries have a point of view and you know, my film is really a character film and I really wasn't trying to show like how I actually, you know, what my point of view was of everything. I, I tried to explain, you know, why surrogacy is illegal. Um, I tried to show, you know, the complexities of it. Um, so it's not just like a fluffy film about why surrogacy should be for everyone and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and, and I think it's just because I personally and naturally a skeptic. And then more importantly, I, I, I don't have any skin in the game. I, I didn't have a point of view of, of what, what I think is right or wrong. And I think, you know, like in documentary films that are most documentary films, but documentary films in this space of talking about these kind of things are either, you know, very much like, um, you know, very pointed towards an idea or viewpoint, meaning, you know, like exploitation is a film about like, you know, the, the kind of um, scariness of, of egg donation and kind of the exploitation it has um, related to it. And it has a very, you know, clear point of view and, and message of that, that it's trying to get across, you know? Um, and that's great, but that's not the kind of film that I ever will ever make or pursue to make. Um, and so I think it's, um, you know, one of those things where I was kind of constantly balancing and, and trying to see everything with a, with an open mind and a viewpoint. And, and honestly, I was because I didn't know anything about this stuff. And, you know, I'm a straight man in my early thirties when I started making this film. And, you know, like, I, you know, it's like, this is all foreign to me. I had no friends at the time that I had gone through any kind of IVF or, or anything, you know? So, um, you know, it was just like a very interesting story and the characters, I think, are all very beautiful and like very genuine with, with the way that they, they feel about what their pursuits are and also super conscious and self-aware of, of what they're doing. I think there's blinders for everyone. That's just hum the way human nature is. But I think the way that they went about it was just very, very conscious of, of what they're doing and, and the, the world around them. Um, and so I got lucky, you know, and um, you know, I'm, I'm happy that it's finally coming out. 
Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I'm really excited to let other people, that other people are going to get to see it. How did you find, since obviously you said this is not, you know, kind of your area or your world. The way I met them is um, basically just socially. So while I was shooting my first feature in Ukraine um, about the mail order bride industry, um, I kind of would just, Ukraine is a lot different now than it was when I was shooting that film. And it was just a really oppressive, you know, we're always there in the winter. And I had um, like one of my best friends living in Paris and um, he's French. um, And he, his, his like flatmate and best friend um, was basically like Nicholas's best friend um, from college. And so I met Nicholas, um, like, and his friend group, um, over that time of making that film. And so I would go to Paris and just like hang out for a few days, stay with my friends and like, you know, go out, have fun. And I actually had never met Aurelian until much later on. And, and, um, you know, Nicholas and I, Nicholas is like probably one of the most like charismatic, energetic human beings you'll ever meet. He's just like, he's magnetic when you like, when he walks into a room, he's like, you know, as skinny as a twig, but like as tall as like a basketball player and just like, you know, looks the perfect part all the time and has this like great energy. And so I think we kind of became pretty close through that, those process of like hanging out in Paris and um, his hut or I guess boyfriend at the time, I, I think they might've had like the, official affiliation of, of partner. Um, I don't know what it's called in France anymore. I used to know, but um, his partner, um, Aurelian, is a flight attendant for Air France. And um, basically, they started hitting me up like, oh, hey, we're going to be in LA um, like next week. And I, so we'd like meet up and I'd take them around LA. We'd go to restaurants and stuff like that. And then they came back like a month later and then they came back a month later. And I was like, what the fuck? You guys can fly anywhere in the world for free. Can I drop F-bombs? I'm sorry. Uh, you can. It's totally oh, fine. Jen's no. daughter listens to this, but okay. My daughter does, but she's a teenager and I probably have said worse around her before. Oh, so. well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll try to, I'll try to stick to the decorum. But That's okay. Um, You're okay. Yeah. I, it's not going to happen. I'm just being honest. Um, so basically... I was like, dude, what you guys can like literally fly for free anywhere in the world. Why do you keep coming to LA? And they were like right. kind of cagey all of a sudden, which was not a normal like oh. reaction for them. Yeah. And, and they're like, okay, well we have like the secret and we're doing this project. I'm like, what the, like, are these guys like international spies <laughs> of like espionage? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but they told me, you know, basically what they were doing. And I was just like, I remember we had a a bar on a rooftop bar in downtown LA. And I was just like, listening to this. I'm like, what the, what, what are you talking about? It's illegal in other country. You're wait in France. You can't adopt like all this, like all these like simple questions that I just had never even imagined were like the reality you know, for yeah. people. And so I was like, oh man, we're, we're going to make this a film. And <laughs> literally my film, uh, Love Me came out in 2014. Um, I think it came, I can't remember when it came out, but it was like 
I think a month later I was in France at their wedding filming. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and followed them through the whole process. And they were game for it to have something so intimate to have you following them around. No, no. <laughs> it was, it was, a, it was a soft sell, you know? Um, it was something where I think that like everything else that they have done, they really took a lot of time and, and energy to think about if it was okay, you know? And I kind of wanted to reassure them. Um, and so we talked about it a few times and I think what ultimately came to like the idea of them wanting to do it is, is that it was their way of also continuing on in the like fight for gay rights. Um, and this was their way of doing that. You know, they might not be protesting. They might not be in the streets. Like they might not be political activists in the same way. And so this was a way for them to contribute to that process of what they believed in. Um, and, and I think, uh, in some ways it does, you know, I think that they, they did contribute to the, the process. I, 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 you know, there's surrogacy films out there, but you know, not, they're just different. This is like, a, you get to actually see a human side of something in a way that, um, other films just don't, don't hit. And also you don't get to see gay families represented in this way in film. And it's usually with comedy or, or through some kind of angst or, or some kind of like burden of social pressure. And while that's there, it's never a, a factor in the way that they make decisions. They never let it like hold them back. They, they pursue their goals with like full intelligence, logic and conviction. Wow. And how lucky did you get that both the donor and the gestational carrier were willing to be involved and to show their personal side of going through I, this? I was going to say, that's a huge, because medical privacy in the United States is such a huge deal. I mean, that's a big balance for you. It was all very upfront. So, like, they, we were there when they met, you know? Um, so it was like, I think... You know, I don't know if there was more beyond, behind the scenes that I'm not aware of, but, you know, uh, their surrogacy coordinator and um, Olga, you know, was in the film and, and she was aware of, of, of the film. And I think she made everyone aware. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, I guess I don't, I never really thought about that too much. I don't, I don't think they met with people that maybe weren't interested in being filmed. I, you know, there was other people that they met that aren't in the film, um, you know, that they just didn't um, have that relationship with. Um, and, you know, I think also, you know, I, I'd be interested to hear what they say, but I think I was also there for them, you know, as a buffer because, you know, I was, you know, a, an American in that country, like still kind of, you know, we were friends or we are friends, you know, we're, I'd say we're all close. And I think I was also there in some ways, um, looking out for them. You know, I, I didn't like hold anything back. So, you know, I think while it was lucky for me to be a part of it, but also I think that everyone got the best effing, you know, service and care possible because there was a lens in front of them 
And it, and I'm pretty sure everyone felt that right away. Um, if we can just talk for a minute about how amazing Crystal is. <laughs> with yeah, full, with full disclosure yeah. to listeners that Crystal has been on the podcast as well. And she is just so authentic and speaks from the heart and it's like hilarious and it was just amazing to get to see her in this film so i i think that it's just so lucky that she was part of this as well um how how lucky do you feel jonathan i mean yeah i mean i got lucky in every aspect of the film i think i think you know there's a variety of reasons why women go through the process of being a surrogate um you know, and I think they all have their own reasoning and those are all valid. Um, I think Crystal was looking for a relationship with somebody, you know, ultimately. And it gave her purpose. Um, I think it made her, you know, have this like really, you know, it's it's a strange kind of love. But what it was is like, ultimately, they all loved each other, you know. And, you know, two gay men and, and a straight woman with two kids and a husband and a couple of dogs now, you know, all kind of falling in love, you know, and it's, I, you know, I think that I hope that comes through in the film. You know, she, she is obviously a generous person. And, and I think that also comes out a lot. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's an interesting dynamic to see um and experience to be honest with you you know i became very close with crystal as well because i spent so much time with her i thought it was very important to not just show this you know kind of side of the film where it's it's two men going on this journey but also like all the other people involved and you have to you know the reason it's illegal in the rest of the world is because there's exploitation you know and you know it's a lot of times men, you know, these, these protections for women are, are because men have exploited women forever. And so, you know, it could easily happen in the context of, of, of a surrogacy. And so, you know, I think this shows like how it really goes well and how it can. And like, you know, I think, I don't think she really did it for money, you know, which is also kind of takes a lot of the sting out, you know, it makes it feel a lot more genuine. Yeah. Yeah. She, she definitely uh, adores them. She still like talks like, I think even today she and I were sending messages back and forth about them. So she, she definitely, I mean, she's such an incredible person and she really did get that, that relationship part is so huge for her. What surprised you? I mean, obviously you went to this kind of with a blank slate as to what you were expecting, but, but was there anything out there that was just a huge, like mind blowing surprise to you? I mean, besides the fact that it was illegal in France and you didn't know that, but <laughs> what else was a huge surprise to you? I, I honestly would say all of it was kind of like, just, it was so engaging because I was learning about something that was always kind of keeping me on my feet and surprising me. Um, just, it's such, I think like, when you talk about, you know, this kind of process of, of two men having a baby and because they can't in their country, you kind of activate naturally to feel like that's a injustice, right? I think that that's the initial feeling that, that I had. Um, and 
you know, I think through the process of making the film, I think that um, those feelings changed a little bit, to be honest with you. Uh, I started to see like, these guys are so conscious and so aware and so self-aware and so like compassionate and, and, and just the way that they go about things. I could see how things could go wrong, you know? And I think that's where I kind of started to get like a little bit of like justification onto the legality of it and, and understanding of it um, from an emotional standpoint, mostly because I don't really care to be honest with you. Um, you know, it doesn't affect me personally. It doesn't affect that many people. I think it's great that two men can have a baby, it, but I also can see why it's illegal, you know? Um, and so I think that change from that, from me understanding the complexities of it to really understanding that everyone that's involved really needs to be very, very aware of what they're doing and how it can go wrong pretty quickly um, from an emotional level, even, you know, and that's, that, that's important to me as a, as an individual to like make sure that people are, you know, being careful of each other's feelings and, through their actions. Um, and, you know, I, when you add compensation to anything, it, it, it complicates it, you know, and, and it's like, it's, it's not like, it's not black and white. It's so many shades of gray. Um, I think through the whole process um, where I was the most kind of, um, I don't know, blown away was through the egg donation aspect. And when you just said that, it actually, there was a moment where I took in a really sharp breath and I'm not going to spoil it for people who, cause they should go watch it, but it, it was involving the donor and compensation. And I did, I went, Oh, Oh, wow. You know, so it, sorry to lead back to what you were saying though, the, the compensation and the, the egg donation side really can feel very different. Yeah. So the process of like, you know, experience how the industry from my perspective is, is that they usually um, have intended parents meet with surrogate mothers, which makes a lot of sense because that's the most of the time that they're going to be spending. I don't think that egg donors are as involved in that process. Sometimes it's, it's done anonymously, you know, and I think for a, a variety of reasons. Um, they chose to have it a non-anonymous um, egg donor. But it's interesting that like, you know, the biological aspect of this whole thing comes from that woman who's also much younger um, and doesn't, they don't end up having the same connection, you know, even though they have this, like, they built this like wildly intense connection with a surrogate mother. And I'm not a woman, so I don't know like, you know, how these kind of, feelings come about but you know it's like they have much a much deeper relationship with the surrogate than the egg donor which i thought was interesting um i also didn't realize how many eggs they can produce from a woman in one cycle that was like really weird to me um <laughs> kind of shocking and totally makes sense because it's like uh you know you gotta you know it's if you're gonna do it once you want to like you know it's, it's not like a it's not like getting a, you know, IV and just like sucking something out. It's a little more invasive than that. So it makes sense that they go for more and stimulate more. But I thought that that process of like, and then also, yeah, the compensation for an egg donor. Yeah. And, and it would be interesting if you went back in and did something more. I mean, obviously you've been filming over a certain amount of time, but we have seen um, a huge 
trending change in the past five-ish years towards um, things being not anonymous anymore, especially with egg donors, at least known, maybe not to the extent where you've portrayed, but that we're, it's a possibility for people to be known later and that there's a lot, a lot less assurance of anonymity uh, to egg donors. So we're seeing a big change in that too. Yeah, thanks to home DNA kits. I mean, some of it is by force, but um, yeah, we're and even differences in language. So I, you know, like you keep saying, and this is just you're outside of it, so you don't hear what we hear all the time. But you know, you're talking about surrogate mother, and um, huge trend away from using those words because you know somebody in this example, like Crystal, she's not the mother to the child. Um, yeah, so she's a gestational mothers. carrier. And well, so she's, but she's not the, Crystal's not the mother at all. Like she is the carrier of the child. Um, and, you know, so the, the parents are the parents of that child. Um, and so it's, it's very interesting and it would be fascinating to see an update to like even the, the language perspective on from when you filmed to how, how things have changed to now. Yeah, probably. I'm sure it's consistently changing. Um, and, you know, semantics of, of, in the language of it, I think are, are kind of interesting in themselves. Um, but yeah, like, you know, in a traditional, I guess, surrogacy with a man and a woman, there would be, you know, um, I don't, you know, it, that's a tough one to say who a mother is, right? So there's a lot of different people involved in that, that whole thing. So it's complicated. <laughs> But yeah, I, I can yeah. gestational carrier is uh, the term that you guys use. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I Sorry. I wasn't trying to like shame you into using a different word. I was just like, it was more the fascination of the difference from time. Like, cause you were talking about how revolutionary was it. They were, um, that they met their donor at the time. And that's much more common. Even now we've seen it over the past two or three years, really. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, no, I, I think just in egg donation in general, like the, the industry has a lot of anonymous stuff. I think for international um, surrogacy, um, like intended parents, that they prefer to actually know who the mother is. So that's that's um, been my experience with the people that I met in France. They were they all kind of wanted to have a known donor, which I think is you know in itself interesting too. <laughs> yeah, and it makes sense. I, so there's all these other issues about uh, donor conceived child and their right to know their genetic history. And much of Europe is very supportive. And Australia has these laws about a donor-conceived child having a right to know their genetic history and who their genetic parent is. And the United States is not, <laughs> it's not on the same page as Europe yet. Um, so I'm not surprised to hear that, that mostly that many people in Europe feel that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting, like the right to know your genetic history. It's, I mean, just that, that statement is like, Mm -hmm. That blows my mind. <laughs> right? Right. No, it's an interesting concept. Because even if you take it out of this like donor realm, like if a parent had an affair, like do you have a right to know that other person who's genetically connected to you? I mean, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very European kind of sensibility and like American sensibilities are much more like, you know, like, you know very marriage oriented and like, you know, so it's like, I can see how the two cultures would approach it from a different way for sure. Plus, yeah, it's just, yeah, the whole thing is, is, um, layered in so many ways 
that uh, is kind of interesting. But I mean, I think the biggest thing is like, I still don't think people in America understand that America really is kind of the place for surrogacy, that it's not really legal in other countries. Um, and I think that that's kind of like the hook of the film. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's interesting that like children aren't recognized and it's interesting that like, um, you know, surrogacy is needed for, you know, two men to have a baby, all of that stuff's interesting. But the hook is, is like, there's really only one place that, that does it like, you know, ethically, I guess, quote unquote. Right. Um, at this point, because from what I understand, Russia and Ukraine are, are completely like shut down. Um, India is shut down. And so people come basically to the U S right. Is that the case? Well, one of the big issues, well, one of the big issues with Ukraine, Russia, which does do a lot of surrogacy is that they only work with heterosexual married couples. So it's a specifically, yeah, you, can, you can't couples. even be, you can't even be gay in, in Russia. Right. It's like, right. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah, it's not like the most welcoming kind of feeling, but, um, yeah, I heard that they like have been arresting intended parents and um, surrogates and stuff like that in Russia specifically. So that's pretty yeah. pretty intense. Um, yeah. But I, I know that there's an industry in South America and Mexico as well. But I think it's like, you know, you kind of get what you pay for situation. Yeah. Um, can we give? Can you talk about spoilers after the movie? Is that is it fair game to? You know, the movie ended and lives continued. Can we talk about yeah. their lives afterwards? Are you, do you feel comfortable sharing that? Um, totally, totally. I mean, you know, honestly, like I, the last time I was in France was on like a family vacation, maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was three years ago. And so, you know, I got to see their baby Louise, um, you know, grown up more like she was waddling around and and like um my girlfriend's son Atticus was like you know playing with her you know Mm. like kind of taking care of her and you know they had moved to a bigger apartment and like you know like the life had definitely changed and settled down that was really really nice um eventually I think Louise got her passport uh no she did get her passport her French passport um and she's in school now she's five and I think two years ago, um, they came back and had a baby boy with the same um, embryos, um, so the same biological genetic material, and um, with the same donor crystal or uh, surrogate crystal mm-hmm. for gestational carrier. Um, yeah. Good job. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and so I was there. I think uh, I, I drove out to Las Vegas. Um, to show them the film the night before she had um, the baby, oh, wow. second baby. Yeah, the oh, night wow. before the second baby was born. That's amazing. Yeah, because it, I think it was like a you, you know one of the other things that's like kind of interesting about this whole thing is like you know that it it's kind of managed a little bit more, right? Like the pregnancies managed a little bit more in some ways. So she was like mm-hmm. induced both times, um, like medically and I, I don't know if she had a c-section the second time or not I, I didn't really get into those kind of she details. she did I remember but yeah I, I just knew her personally at the time so. okay yeah so so she had you know her c-section uh the next morning um and so it's kind of an interesting thing to like show them this film and 
like for them to ex- re-experience it and then go in the next day and have another um, baby boy, which I think, wow. you know, probably the second time there's like, there, you know, it's probably like anyone having their second child. It, it's things are a little bit different. You know, you like everything's known a little bit more. And yeah, it's um, so I, I wasn't there for that, that part of it. Um, one, one 29 hour delivery was enough for me. I was going to say, it sounded, I went from Crystal describing it, it was a long and arduous experience. And also just like on a production level, like getting into the OR at the last moment was difficult oh my and God. things like that. Were you there yeah. all 29 hours? Oh yeah. Yeah. I drove to, I drove to the hospital with Nicholas and Aurelian. And it was like at three o'clock in the morning because they were planning on having the induction at like four, five o'clock in the morning and then delivering at 11, you know, in a perfect world. And it didn't <laughs> go that way. It was just like a windowless room, you know, and, and 29 hours of, of just sleeping on the floor, kind of. They were all sleeping. Oh, I was filming wow. the entire time and like total. And then not only from that production level but also like the medical releases for every nurse Mm -hmm. that came in the room every doctor that came in the room like it was just like yeah that hospital was really really helpful (laughs) i will say that summerlin whatever the hospital was was super super production friendly which from a documentary standpoint was awesome you know and it was interesting to see like the emotions that kind of played out through that process too um you know the expectations of, of what Crystal put on herself um, yeah. to have, you know, that baby in a natural way, which I thought was, you know, somewhat interesting. Um, and then how it didn't kind of go that way. And then how everyone felt like the pressure together. But I think that that pressure that came, like just solidified their relationship even more. And, um, you know, and I think it's, pretty you see it in the film you know like you get to see these these relationships like come together even more um through through those those kind of trials and tribulations and i think what's also interesting is like if they hadn't been close you know that probably would be a much different experience for everyone sure absolutely We've definitely experienced people going both directions, you know, and the pressure of waiting for their child in that delivery room. So uh, yeah. what about the donor? Have you followed up with the donor as well and kept kept, kept up with her? Not much. Um, I just like give her updates on the film for the most part. I know that she had, um, she had done a, I don't know if it's in the film, but she did a donation again um, mm-hmm. a second time. And she like had a very different experience. And I think that that also kind of is an interesting um, aspect to look at in this whole process is that the known donation, you know, where she met the intended parents gave her a lot more like, um, I don't know, satisfaction, I guess, you know, that she was able to help these two men that she got to meet and then got to ultimately meet, um, you know, not her daughter. I don't. What would, how do you say that? What's the term for that? Her her genetic offspring. Yeah, I mean the, her yeah. genetic I mean, offspring. Like yeah. you know, gave her like this kind of like. Um, I think it, it was a very good experience for her compared to the second time she did it, where it was yeah. anonymous and she didn't meet the intended parents, and it was just like a much more kind of like clinical kind of experience. And I think I, um, what 
what's like kind of brings all this together is that, you know, the relationships between everyone is, is what I think makes it a nice and kind of like good experience for people. Yeah, I her meeting the, the the baby was probably one of my favorite points in the in the film, um, and it just was it was incredible. It was touching that I in a way I didn't expect of how overjoyed she was for the that moment too. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I you know, I think that it's you go in and you have this kind of you know surgery, I guess, and you know to see like that it it gives creates a family is, is probably a really fulfilling experience. And, you know, once again, as a man, I don't know what that experience is like. Um, but I think after her second, um, you know, kind of donation or I guess it's not a donation, right? She was, what is, um, her, her second, whatever you call it. Um, still a donation. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Okay. Yeah. Her second donation, her second egg, extraction was um i think she was like kind of not as into it after that because of the first one and so she um i think she's you know kind of i don't know if she's married yet or has her own children but i i i think i would know it if she did but i, I haven't really followed up with her sorry <laughs> i should do that no worry we're testing you on these now the post group mentions yeah. that she goes through an anonymous donation and it mentioned oh, it okay. that she wants to have kids one day with her fiance. So I think at that point she must have a fiance. Yeah, she had a fiance the entire time. Oh, okay. I oh. I met him I think a couple of times. Yeah, thanks, guy. They lived together. They were like you know he was supportive of it. Awesome. Well, I think the film is beautiful and fascinating and so well done. And I feel very honored that you were willing to take the time to come speak to us about it. Oh, yeah. Well, this is great. I'm happy to be one, number 100, too. It's, <laughs> yes. It's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting to have um, something that you work on for like many years to kind of be out in the world. And, you know, it'll probably have both. I mean, surrogacy is definitely a polarizing subject for some people. So I'm sure we'll see, you know, both positive and negative <laughs> viewpoints of it. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's great. I think that that creates a better discussion. And, you know, hopefully I think, you know, the more that people are able to see the, you know, the conviction of intended parents that this kind of, you know, humanizes the experience for 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 everyone to see, you know, for people that aren't involved or haven't been able to experience infertility, I think that this is like the type of film that shows, you know, what it's like for in this case two men um, who can't have a baby, obviously, and also can't legally have one in their own country. Um, you know how much they go through and the cost and everything, you know, and it really shows like these are people that really are going to be good parents. You know, you, that's the one thing you definitely come away from because they're this passionate about, you know, organizing and coming to do everything the way that they did. Then you know that they're going to be the same way with their children and they're probably going to have great children, you know? Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks guys. Thank you, Jonathan, for producing a beautiful documentary and for really staying neutral and addressing this issue that does have a lot of sides and a lot of um, a lot of thoughts that people have on it. 
yeah, no, definitely. It's a, it's well worth watching and I encourage everybody, I believe, and we will definitely put the link into the, the notes surrounding this. So if you go to our website or I think it shows up in the iTunes notes, uh, it is actually available via iTunes at the moment. And it's my understanding that in a number of weeks it will move to being uh, available on Netflix. So, you know, you'll, you'll have a few options to look for it as it comes up here. But thank you also to all of you for listening to us and for leaving us positive reviews and giving us a call and reaching out. Uh, we, we've had some fun reach outs lately. There may not be necessarily related to this to, to any of our guests at the moment, but we, we enjoy hearing from people. Uh, our number is 303-997-1903. You can always do that or you can send us an email through our webpage. And when you're at our webpage, of course, you can look at that merchandise there, buy some fun, fun merchandise. I, I would say Mugs. it's about to be the holidays and people could buy fun underwear. sperm did we get the underwear merchandise. Maybe not. We did not because we don't have, we, it, we just didn't like it. The one it looked like it was, didn't. Yeah. But when you're thinking, what do I get Aunt Sue for yeah. the holidays? Maybe a mug with a with sperm right. with headphones on. Maybe that's or, the answer. Or, you know, for the person who has everything, quite honestly. Right. So yes. that is something that they would not have yet. But just to save yourself a little money while you're doing it, you can use coupon code SPERM10, S-P-E-R-M-1-0, and get 10% off of your merchandise total mm. just by being a listener. So nice. yay for that. Uh, that's our little thank you to you. And then, of course, huge thank you to our team, to Amanda, to Tyler, and to Chris at Work at Bird Studios, who are always holding us up and working really hard for us. So we really appreciate it. So thank you all for listening. 